0: Hey guys, we hope that all of you who celebrate Thanksgiving here in the United States had a wonderful, thick, and full Thanksgiving holiday. Um, I wanted to share a quick little personal update with you guys. So we're doing a flashback episode this week. And the reason is I had some family things come up that were really important and time consuming, um, pretty serious things. I don't want to get into too much of the personal stuff, but just there was a lot going on in my family at the time. And as a result, um, I just frankly couldn't be available to record an episode. So we ran out of time, unfortunately, this week, but everything is good now. My family's good. Everything, Everything's worked out a little bit. But, um, you know, we don't like to bank our episodes weeks and months in advance like that. A lot of podcasts do that, but Darren and I just love being you know, fresh and current and relatable. And we just really enjoy that aspect of our show. I think it differentiates ourselves from a lot of other shows. Uh, So unfortunately last week, it just wasn't a possibility, especially with the eventual, the holiday at the end of last week. In case you didn't know, we record the episodes usually earlier in the week uh, before the Sunday drop. So couldn't make it happen last week. Big apologies on that. Like I said, life just kind of happened. But everything's good now. We are all set. We're going to get back to our normal schedule. Um, And we have some really exciting stuff coming up in the last couple weeks of the year here. Can you believe it's the end of 2023? What is going on? Time is flying. Time just goes by too fast for me. But anyway, like I said, we're going to be recording all new episodes. We might even try to sneak in a bonus episode this week, like a bonus NMR for everyone. Um, if we can make it happen. So apologies on all of that. Hopefully you guys understand. I know you guys will, you're such great people, all of you listening. Um, except for Darren, if she's listening. Um, so here's this week's flashback episode, enjoy it for now. And we will see you next time with an all new episode.
1: Guys, we started this intro more times than I can possibly imagine. It was kind of a nightmare. I don't even need to bore you with all of the ins and outs of everything going on, truthfully. But uh, Mm. let's just say, John, thank God he's a tech maven. Thank Mm. God he's a good teacher. And we're here. And I'm just hoping this recording works. So thanks, Johnny boy.
0: It sounds like it's working Darren. Um you know you are quite the maven yourself. I was trying to tell Darren some settings in GarageBand she knew everything before I even said it to her. So what can I, I,
1: say? I know preferences, settings and I know. preferences. preferences.
0: <laughs> At this point all these podcasts that you do and all the episodes we've done, it's hard to imagine that you wouldn't know how to get to that. So I'm happy to hear that you're on the right track. So to speak.
1: Well, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 learning from the best, John. I'm learning from That's the right. best.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, I'm not feeling great. I just want to mention that I right know. at the top. Yeah, and my, let me You just might say be able to hear holidays, it in my voice.
1: Yeah. Which is why we didn't do NMR. It's holidays. John's not feeling we're busy. well. We want We're We're not busy enough <laughs> for our people. But I don't right. say, "We're busy." It's like We're
0: busy. We're, we're, Too busy. Yeah. Um, no, but, but I just um, wanted yeah. to
1: start off this, this. we want to get right into the case, because it's the holidays, yeah. and you guys always want to enjoy a good case for the holidays, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to say a quick condolences to you and mm-hmm. your grandmother, John, and I was thinking about you all week, and I can speak on behalf of the Shaken and disturbed podcast <laughs> community when we say we were thinking about you, and we
0: Thank you. you, yes, thank you so much, I just wanted to quickly say thank you to everyone who reached out, I s- I posted it about it on Facebook, but I didn't put it on Instagram and stuff, but Um, I did lose my grandmother last week and it was a very tough moment, but um, she lived a really great life and she is loved. And, you know, it's weird, like as tragic and sad as death is, and I think we talk about it so much, of course, on the show in different ways, obviously with murder, usually. um, One thing that always seems to happen is it really brings people together in unexpected ways. <clears throat> excuse me and so that's definitely happening with my family and with my friends and even with you guys listening so just wanted to say thank you for your kind words they have really meant a lot i've read every single one of them i might not have been able to respond to each and every one but i have been seeing them so thank you all well, we for are your love.
1: thankful yes. for you i can confidently say that and i hope we hope here that everyone had a great thanksgiving that's and, right uh
0: Unrelated, but did you start your holiday shopping yet? Because the holiday season is upon us. It's time to start thinking about gifts.
1: Uh, Well, John, I'm a very prepared person, as you know. So I did actually start doing this. And we should tell the listeners about this. Honestly, amazing site that I've been following for quite some time. It's full of some of the most unique gifts you could ever find. And it's oh. got great ideas for gifts. It's called Uncommon Goods.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, I, I know. I've been following this website for years. I've put yes. so many things off of it. If you want to avoid those like boring, mm-hmm. basic, bland gifts this year, give them to me. But I think for other people, <laughs> Uncommon Goods is actually your secret weapon here.
0: That's a good way to put it. I love Uncommon Goods. What did you get? Can you tell us? Did you buy anything yet this year?
1: Okay, I need you to promise to keep this okay. a secret, okay, okay because yep. I've I, I ordered it, I'm making yeah. it, and so listeners, please do not tag Don't Nadine tag. on this, yes, because I'm actually going to give it to her, but do you remember those, like, very... When we were kids, it was mm-hmm. like uh, viewfinders with the red. Yes, you looked through like the binocular thing, and then you you know you put like Sesame pictures Street
0: in them. was in it. I remember uh, as a kid. Yep,
1: very that. So I got her a custom one, and I filled <sighs> it with all of these pictures of her and I. And you <sighs> can actually write on the slide. So I did like the I did like where we were on that date, and so it was like seven slides. Oh. So she's just gonna. I'm I'm a romantic. You're good John. at
0: this. Uncommon Goods is, you, is amazing. I,
1: I never would have thought about it outside of of going on this site. Then I saw it on the site. I was like, oh, my God, this is so cute. Like, She's going to remember this from kids. It's such a nostalgic gift. I mean, from art and jewelry to kitchen, home and bar, Uncommon Goods is something for everyone. I literally mean everyone. It's not some lackluster gift you could just find anywhere. It's really unique and special.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. She's going to love that. And listeners, do not say anything to her. We will find you – and let's just say you might be um, a subject of our episode, okay? I'm just going right. to say we that. That's right. We
1: will call you out. We will call you we out. We will
0: call you out. The other thing I love about Uncommon Goods is that they give back $1 to, every, to a nonprofit partner of your choice, and they've don- donated more than $2.5 million to date, which you know we're all about that on this
1: show. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash shaken. That's uncommongoods.com slash shaken for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer, Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. Let's get into the case this let's week, John. Into let's get Let's give the people what they want.
0: That's right. Absolutely. Well, America first entered the stock market. Oh, let me also say this, Darren, before we move on. I also moved houses. More on that later. But, but that way, this
1: sounds. Yeah, like the we sound different. a
0: little Peeps. different today. I'm yeah. going to be working on that, so please bear with me as I change locations, and I will give you guys more information about that on the weeks to come as well. So, anyway, Darren, back to the show. Um, mm-hmm. America first entered the stock market in 1792, and since then, millions of lives have been changed—some for the better, but some for the worse. Let's be honest. Um, In terms of the stock market, and while many have created lives of abundance and luxury for themselves, by investing in stocks, others have led to financial ruin, and sometimes even madness. On July 29th, 1999, 44-year-old Mark Barton walked into two different day trading agencies and opened fire on the people inside. He killed nine people and injured 13 more. The manhunt pursued afterwards would unveil even more victims of Mark's killing spree. It would later be discovered that before he shot up the agencies, he had murdered his wife and children by beating oh them God. to death with a hammer. And I mean, oh. you know, there are a lot of really disgusting, horrible ways to kill somebody, but your wife and kids with a hammer, that's another level of just disgusting, horrible That's brutal,
1: stuff. brutal, brutal.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well... Um, It was believed that his rampage was triggered by losing roughly $105,000 to bad investments. You know, more on that to come. But from the outside, it seemed like Mark was just like any other guy. But the more investigators looked into his background, the more disturbing and twisted the story actually became. Mark Barton was born on April second, 1955 in Stockridge, Georgia, as the only child to Truman and Gladys Barton. Truman was enlisted. I always want to think. Um, Truman pre, Show. Yeah, Truman Show or President Truman or whatever. Um, was enlisted in the Air Force and was stationed in Sumter, Sumter, South Carolina, where he would settle down with his wife to raise their son uh, on the Shaw Air Force Base. Mark graduated from Sumter High School in 1973, where classmates described him, of course, this is how it always goes, as quiet and introverted. One classmate from his 25-year reunion said that she didn't even remember him in the slightest. That's how quiet and reserved he was. His name was incorrectly written in two separate yearbooks, once as Jack Barton and another year as Mac Barton, M-A-C-K, as it seems even his classmates couldn't be bothered uh, to learn his name. His senior yearbook was missing a photo altogether. One classmate from his Sunday school class, Cindy Haley, was quoted saying that Mark, quote, was very quiet, kind of a loner. I don't remember him having many friends, end quote.
1: Oh, that's sad though. It is like sad. like at a young age. When you're a child, like, yeah. Yeah, like that's hard, especially if it's like kids are cruel. Yeah, Cru- right. It could be for a number of reasons, you know what I mean? Right. It doesn't necessarily mean he was bad in any sort of way. Yeah,
0: totally. Uh, so in his alone time, Mark experimented with hallucinogenic drugs resulting in several visits to the hospital for accidental overdoses. Mm. So this guy was living life on the edge a little bit in that sense. Although he wasn't very social, he was incredibly intelligent and showed a special interest in science and chemistry. This you know what I'm thinking? Like before we even move on, like it just feels like this is such a recipe for like disaster. He's a loner. Yeah, Yeah, like, right? How many red flags are you already seeing just as a podcast listener and host here? Honestly, it sounds like this guy needs to get off that track and start getting into microdose gummies.
1: I mean, I couldn't agree more (laughs) because microdosing seems like the healthy way to do it. I mean, maybe we should bring them to Thanksgiving dinner this year, John. What do you think about that?
0: I love that, or better yet, buy some and give them to people for the holidays? I don't know. See, you are
1: you are generous. I'm more Scrooge. I want this for myself. I'm going to bring them <laughs> to Thanksgiving to introduce oh. other people to them. And I'm going to uh-huh. consider it as like, oh, when you know, it's like you have to cook an appetizer. You have to do this. Well, no, I'm going to bring right. my microdose gummy, so I'm literally going to have the best <laughs> snack of the year. I think it yeah. would be nice to take it. It's nice relaxing. You know, I think people... Yeah. Get a little anxious during the holidays sometimes. People yeah. are like, How do I avoid religion? How do I avoid politics? <laughs> How do I avoid social media? How do I not talk about Kanye West? So maybe these microdose yes. gummies will just calm people down this Thanksgiving. And I'm looking forward to that, John.
0: Listen, we could all use a little help getting through the holidays, right? No matter what holiday it may be, it's stressful. Our minds are sort of everywhere chill out with microdose gummies. We promise you guys listening, you'll thank us later. We really believe that you'll love these.
1: How could we not? And of course, our show today is sponsored by microdose gummies. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good.
0: Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code SHAKEN to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description, but again, that's microdose.com, code shaken. Darren, let's get back to the show.
1: Following graduation, Mark attended the University of South Carolina and Clemson University, where he earned a bachelor's degree in chemistry, all while continuing to abuse hallucinogenics. Now, after leaving college, he moved to Atlanta, Georgia, with his longtime girlfriend, Deborah Spivey. There, the young couple got married, had two children, Matthew in The Greatest Year Alive, 1988, and Elizabeth, who they referred to by her middle name, Michelle, that's with a Y, who was born Mm -hmm. in 1991. Mark and Deborah appeared to have the ideal suburban family. That is until Mark's employer asked him to move to Alabama for a job. It was a huge step in his career, but required the family to completely uproot itself and move to a new state. Which Always is hard. difficult. I've it's been difficult, a, especially from Atlanta to Alabama. I mean, you know, yeah, it's that's different not places.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, that's not down the street. I mean, I was, I had this when I was a child. Like my mom and I, and my two my brother and sister, we moved quite a lot actually when I was younger yeah. for various reasons, pretty personal reasons, and. It wasn't easy. Like I I remember thinking back, you know, to being the new kid in the class several times and it was a lot of anxiety. So I'm sure it's not easy for not just the kids, but for the parents that have to deal with it as well.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. It's it's hard for school. It's hard for friends. Mm-hmm. It was a huge step in his career, like I said. But Mark and De- Deborah decided to take that leap of faith, des- despite all kind mm-hmm. of, you know, the hardships going with that. But this move ultimately proved to be very detrimental to Mark's allegedly fragile mental health. He began experiencing some extreme paranoia, constantly accusing Deborah of cheating and believing everyone in his life was constantly trying to sabotage him. Now, there's a healthy dose, I think, of skepticism sometimes and a healthy dose of like not being naive but to think that everyone in your life is constantly trying to sabotage you is in a weird way very narcissistic it's very (laughs) just centered on you and it's paranoid and it's you know it's it's signs some signs of like mental illness i think
0: probably and also don't forget he's experimenting with hallucinogenics like who knows exactly where his mind is in that regard in and of itself yeah
1: Well, being in a new job in a place where he had no friends or family began to overwhelm Mark with anxiety and depression, two horrible combinations. Mm -hmm. Allegedly, Deborah had expressed to friends that Mark had become physically abusive towards her, and she was in touch with a divorce lawyer. Mark's troubles would not end with his home life as he was soon fired from his job due to poor performance and unprofessional behavior. In retaliation, he snuck into the building one night to sabotage computer data, but was Mm -hmm. caught and arrested for burglary. Listen, depression, anxiety, there are... You know, psilocybin, mushrooms, they are proven to help PTSD people. They are proven to help mm-hmm. anxiety and depression. But I don't think this is the microdose type of situation that we're talking about. <laughs> I think this is right. more of a heavy dose of something. And he's already probably not okay in the head to begin with. Right. Well, so it's kind of a lot. Well, the crime as well as the short de- jail sentence he served afterwards dragged Mark and Deborah even further apart. Their marriage eventually reached a point where they couldn't even stand to sleep in the same bed together. Mm-hmm. In a phone conversation with her father, father Deborah remarked that it was a good day. When Mark didn't speak to her. Oh, boy. Not, not a relationship I want. The damage done to their relationship was even further compounded when Mark was caught having an affair with a 20 year old secretary named Lee Ann Van Diver. Deborah confronted her husband after noting a distinct change in his demeanor. It's interesting because he's the one accusing her of cheating all the freaking time.
0: Right, exactly. He's the paranoid one. Well, maybe that's why he was paranoid, you know, because he didn't want to get caught himself. Well, Mark had begun dressing differently, maintaining a tan and overall putting more effort into his appearance than Deborah had ever seen previously. Listen, all I'm going to say is this without getting into the details. Mm. Everything that Darren just read at the end of her little segment there and what I just read, if you're listening and you're noticing this with your partner, check in, see what's going well, unless on. unless
1: it's, unless it's like meds or a new therapist sure. or some, there's like an obvious reason that the mood would change well, because right. meds are gonna greatly change a mood so it's For not sure. necessarily about that but yes, I think yes.
0: I, I, let's just put it this way, I've seen this in other relationships and yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Not mine, not Darren's, not anyone's you would know. Yes, yeah, not just ours. Just <laughs> for, not the ours. Record. <laughs> for
1: the record. I mean, I had a
0: tan when I was in Miami, but other than that, it's been pretty much the same here with us, my, Darren yeah. and I. Anyway, her suspicions were proven true, although for the sake of the children, they decided to stay together don't even get me started on this either. I don't know that being unhappy in love is the best way to go about your business. Well, you're with not your in children. love.
1: That's the thing. You're just choosing right. to be ha- unhappy in the same place exactly. and then if you're abusive to each other, children pick up on that. And of course it's just they just way do. way worse than if you just fucking divorce. Of course. But anyway.
0: Go be happy. Go live your happy lives. Your kids Go will live, figure it yeah, out.
1: Yeah, we got one. Yeah,
0: they'll figure it out. Well, anyway, th- I need to stop because I'm getting I'm popping off. Anyway, throughout yeah. his time, Mark continued seeing Leanne, promising her that he'd soon be getting a divorce and that they could be together. Well, Leanne was also stuck in an unhappy marriage with her high school sweetheart, David Lang, if that's what you want to call him if they're not really in love. Leanne mm-hmm. and David married right out of high school due to pressure from their parents, but secretly she yearned for something else. The excitement of his of this affair provided Leanne the motivation to patiently wait for Mark to become available and that opportunity would come by the way, in 1993. On Labor Day weekend 1993, Deborah made plans for a relaxing getaway with her mother um, Eloise Spivey. The two rented a caravan and drove out to Riverside Campground in Alabama where they were last seen walking peacefully down a hiking path on September 4th. Mm. By September 6th, Deborah's father and Eloise's husband, uh, Bill Spivey, had become very concerned. He had tried to contact both his wife and daughter on numerous occasions to no reply. Bill decided to call the police and ask them to perform a wellness check. Officers knocked on the caravan when they found it but did not receive an answer. After forcing entry into the camper, the bodies of Deborah and Eloise were discovered inside. Mm. There were strong signs of a fight as the camper was trashed and the walls splattered with blood. On the ground laid Deborah and Eloise, both beaten to death. Medical examiners later ruled that their bodies had started the decomposition process at least 24 hours prior to them being found. Upon hearing the fate of his daughter and wife, Bill was, of course, distraught as he prepared himself to break the terrible news to his son-in-law, Mark. To his surprise, however... Mark took the news remarkably well. He remained very calm and barely spoke the entire car ride to Alabama where they would go to identify the bodies. And listen, we've talked about it a couple times on this show. Scott you, no Peterson. One's, mm-hmm. yep.
1: O, you know, OJ or whatever. Even although, OJ.
0: Even OJ. Although. Well, listen, that's, let's not get in legal trouble here. But you just can't well, really judge someone's reaction is what I'm trying to say.
1: You can't. And, you know, when they got to the campground, Mark's strange behavior continued. Upon arriving, Mark looked around and casually said, Huh, I've never been here before. A comment that Bill found deeply <laughs> unsettling. That's... Like, I'm laughing out of nervousness because, like, oh, no, yeah. What? You know, like that's not the first thing you'd say. Nobody uh, that
0: didn't just kill somebody just goes, Oh, huh, I've never really been here before. Is nothing to see here. I the
1: bodies. Police also noted that not once did Mark ask how his wife and mother-in-law had died, but instead acted as if nothing had even happened, and they were on some sort of just casual visit. Detectives viewed Mark's behavior as unusual enough that he became their number one suspect in the investigation. <laughs> as they continued hunt oh, of Chris, you can't only go on that. That's not really evidence. That's just suspicion. That's just sussiness. As they continued hunting for the killer, police received two eyewitness statements saying that on the evening of the murder, they heard what sounded like a fight as well as a man and a woman yelling at each other. Later that night, other campers would spot a man approximately six feet tall running through the campground away from the caravan. Unfortunately, they were unable to make out any other details because of how dark the woods were. Which also, thank God, no one's making shit up either because I don't want an innocent man in charge, you know, responsible for this. When police asked Mark where he was the night of September 5th, he initially said that he had been home all night spending time with his children. However, a neighbor of Mark soon came forward to inform detectives he had noticed Mark's car missing from his driveway Mm. starting in the late afternoon on the 5th. It had not returned until well after midnight. I always want to be one of those neighbors that just pays attention.
0: (laughs) I know, right? My new house without getting too much into the details, I'm surrounded by neighbors now, which is a very new feeling for me. And I was just going to say this is before ring cameras, when before you could go check mm. when someone was pulling out of the driveway, which I feel like everybody has those now in suburbia at least.
1: Well, they need them cuz people <laughs> be stealing those packages. Right. Well, with the campgrounds only about two hours from the Barton household, Mark would have had plenty of time to drive to Riverside Campground, murder his wife and mother-in-law, and still return home before his children woke up. Police confronted Mark with this eyewitness testimony to which he admitted that he left his home briefly to search for jobs, leaving his children with Leanne. That late in the afternoon, the officer questioned? The officer is reading recanted. my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mark immediately recanted all statements and then refused to speak until he spoke with a lawyer.
0: Mm. And on
1: the day of Deborah's funeral, which, criminal or not, you should always speak with a lawyer. Yeah. On the day of Deborah's funeral, the sheriff was present to pay his respects and look for anything out of the ordinary that may provide further leads. Immediately after the service, the sheriff noticed that Mark rushed out of the building and was picked up by Leanne in a red car. He left Matthew and Michelle with their grandfather as he sped off with his new girlfriend. Hmm. Although the sheriff felt certain Mark had been involved with the murders, the evidence against him was circumstantial at best and not enough to make a formal arrest, like we said. Mm -hmm. Aside from some vomit found inside the camper toilet, the killer had left behind no physical evidence. Hmm. Without proper DNA technology available at that time, there was little hope in being able to use the evidence to identify. By the culprit however police speculated that this vomit which i'm speculating right now came from mark barton sick to his stomach after brutally murdering deborah and eloise brutally murdering them
0: it, i just love that whomever killed these two after the trashing the camper and blood all over the walls was polite enough to go into the toilet of a camper well, and throw up you know well two yeah, years exactly. later Manners. you know what i mean yeah Well, two years later, Leanne and Mark were married. Bill Spivey was disgusted by how quickly Mark had moved on and was convinced that he had played a part in the deaths of his daughter and wife. He unsuccessfully attempted to bring Mark to court for custody of the two children. This resulted in Mark becoming very paranoid of who he let around his children, even restricting access to his own parents. I mean, guilty or not, I think I would probably do that too. I mean, if people are like coming after me and my kids... No matter what the circumstances are, I don't know. That's just probably... I would just clam up a little bit, if nothing else.
1: Well, yeah, I would I would, I would, would want that, but, you know, this yeah. is obviously for the betterment of the kids. Well,
0: that's true, right. In an interview, Bill Spivey recalled, quote, After the murders, I barely saw those kids. I was lucky enough to visit them for their birthdays, but it still wasn't much. Mark didn't like having me around because he knew I thought he was guilty, end quote. Mark was never formally charged with the murder of Eloise and Deborah, but remained at the top of the suspect list. After their marriage in 1995, newlywed Mark and Leanne moved with Matthew and Michelle to Fulton County, Georgia. Following the death of his first wife, Mark received a $600,000 payout from Deborah's life insurance policy. He used this money to begin investigating the stock market, starting his career as a day trader. While it is possible to make out with large amounts of money at day trading, it is extremely risky as the rise and fall of the market can be hard to predict. And there's frankly a lot of luck that's involved. Some of you listening probably True. know all of this. Mark knew these risks going in, but still he chose to invest nearly all of the life insurance money. Well, that's your problem right there. You're going to waste right, that's your, money right, like
1: that's that. That's an issue.
0: Towards the end of 1998, Mark was hired as a day trader for Momentum Securities, where he earned himself the nickname The Rocket after some of his successful investments. Mark became addicted to the adrenaline of investing and grew increasingly reckless with his money. I mean, I feel like stock market, I don't know if it's officially a form of gambling, so to speak, but I feel like people have that same rush as like gambling as they do with a stock market. It's just kind of like a different way of putting your money places and hoping for the best. I don't right. Know if, which is
1: why know. gambling shouldn't be illegal.
0: Well, right. There's that too. Cause you
1: can get the rush from so many different things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, totally. You yeah. know,
0: from the yeah. show even, you know what I mean? De- definitely. Uh, definitely. By May, 1999, he was nearly a hundred thousand dollars in debt and on the brink of financial ruin. He was subsequently fired from Momentum Securities and banned from day trading there any longer. Less than a week later, Mark started day trading at a different agency called Alltech, where he quickly gained the attention of co-founder Brent Doonan. Mark had told Brent that he was a total rookie to day trading and had no prior experience. So, of course, the firm was blown away by his natural ability to invest and give advice to others. I mean, that would be like, Darren, you or I knocking on the door of like... Um, you know, Apple and being like, Hi, we would like to podcast. We've never podcasted before. Let me show you how to set the preferences on GarageBand.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know. Well, yeah. that might, be, <laughs> one uh, that well, might be one of us. Uh well eventually one of us, eventually word got out that Mark was trading at Alltech and the company was confronted by Momentum Securities who informed Brent of Mark's delinquent account and debts. At that point, Brent had developed a bit of a friendship with Mark and viewed him as a pleasant cheery guy. Despite his personal feelings, Brent had to put the interest of the business first and relinquish Mark of his account. Mark was now banned from yet another agency, thus eliminating his only source of income, mm. which had already drained him of all his finances. After Mark was told he was being let go, a female co-worker reported, reportedly said to Brent, quote, I guarantee you that this is not the last of him we will see. A statement which would be proven disturbingly accurate. Mm-hmm. On July 29th, 1999, Mark cheerfully entered Alltech and asked the secretary to see Brent. Brent was in the middle of a conference when he was told that Mark was there to visit him. He said jokingly, he must have the money he owes me, to which his co-workers laughed. Brent then excused himself from the meeting, walked into his office with Mark. Once inside, Brent began asking if there was any sort of update on the money, but became increasingly uncomfortable as Mark closed the door, blinds, and took on a very serious demeanor. Today is going to be visual, he said, before firing a shot into Brent's chest. Mark then left the office and opened fire on other coworkers. One victim overheard Mark taunting someone as they leave, bleeding on the floor, quote, I hope this doesn't ruin your trading day. Within minutes, Mark wow. had made his way through the office, leaving a carnage of bodies sprawled over the office floors. Ugh. The surviving victims ran or crawled towards the exit. Brent survived the attack somewhat miraculously, given the close range at which he had been shot in the chest, and managed to make his way to the elevator. There, he witnessed Mark shoot a woman in the head before narrowly escaping a similar fate behind the closing elevator doors. Oh, my. I was just going to say, can
0: you imagine, like, crawling to an elevator after you've been shot and waiting for it? Like, the longest elevator wait in history. But
1: watching one of your coworkers. And then watching that. Yeah. In a panic, Brent hit the wrong button and accidentally sent himself up into another office instead of down towards the exit. He stood in the elevator shaking and covered in blood as he pleaded for the room full of strangers to help him. He's shooting people down there, Brent yelled frantically. In total, Mark shot and killed five Alltech employees and injured numerous others. Before police received any calls from Alltech to report the shooting, a call came in from Momentum Securities. It was discovered shortly before opening fire on Alltech. Mark had gone to Momentum looking for the office managers. So he's just One taking managers, it all out,
0: you know, on exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: One of the managers was out of the office on vacation, but the other manager, Kevin Dial, was present. Mark cornered Kevin and fired several shots into his chest at close range before shooting three other co-workers and fleeing to begin his rampage at Alltech. A bystander witnessed Mark leaving the scene, but thought that the blood staining his clothes was merely paint. In less than half an hour, nine people were dead at the hands of Mark Barton, and a frantic, frantic manhunt began.
0: Of course. Well, Mark successfully evaded the police by speeding off in his green minivan before they could apprehend him. After leaving the scene, Mark began making his way towards Ackworth, Georgia, where he attempted to take a teenage girl hostage on the side of the road. The girl was able to escape unharmed, amazingly. Shortly after the altercation, a civilian noticed Mark driving erratically and reported the vehicle to police. Eventually, Mark pulled into a gas station where he was promptly surrounded by a SWAT team. So they were on this guy. Yeah. They were like, you're not going to come in here and shoot all these people. They better be. Yeah, right. Because God only knows where he was headed next, right? Well, authorities began closing in on the vehicle and demanding that Mark surrender. As they got closer, Mark pulled out his Colt forty-five revolver and shot himself in the temple, dying instantly. Mark's bloody rampage had finally come to an end. There was never any question that Mark had committed the crimes, but the question now was sort of why. Investigators attempted to contact his wife, but to no avail. When officers arrived at the Barton household, they were met with yet another terrible scene— Inside the home, they found Mark's wife, Leanne, as well as his two young children, Michelle and Matthew, beaten to death with a hammer, as we mentioned
1: earlier. Jesus.
0: The children were positioned carefully in their beds, tucked in with their favorite toy in their arms, and a handwritten note next to each of them. On the family computer, a text document was left open written by Mark attempting to explain his rampage. Mark opened the letter by stating where exactly he had left the bodies of his family, describing exactly how he killed them. He struck each of them in the head with a hammer while they slept, then held their heads underwater to make sure that they were dead. He expressed deep regret, but said that at least the death was painless and over in less than five minutes. Those are his words. He then continued to adamantly deny any connection to the death of his first wife, Deborah, and mother-in-law, Eloise, saying, quote, I have no reason to lie now, he stated. He expressed, and let's talk about that. Like, do we believe that? I don't know. He expressed his deep love for his children and Leanne, but said that he needed to kill them in order to save them from a, quote, lifetime of suffering. He ended his letter with a statement, quote, you should kill me if you get the chance, end quote. Mark may have successfully avoided justice for his crimes, but the city of Atlanta, as well as the families of those killed in his rampage, are, of course, forever changed. And, yeah, yeah. I'm just curious I mean, about, you know, what you think about him saying that he didn't, he wasn't involved in the other deaths.
1: I mean, listen, you have to be, you know, we know that guilt it has to be proven in a court of law, but just, like, what are the sort of like Occam's razor, like what are the chances yeah. that this guy's first wife and mother-in-law <laughs> die by like being beaten to death? The hammer, and right. And then his second wife and children die by being beaten to death. It It's possible, uh, but mm-hmm. I just think the nature of the timeline here and everything that's kind of going down along with his mental illness, I mean like, and maybe it's that he has no reason to uh, – why he said that is just like a way to kind of get away with it, make people not have justice. Yeah. You know, he was still pissed at his father-in-law for trying to take the kids, so maybe point. that was yeah. his last fuck you. I don't know, but I would say if I'm a betting woman, put I would say he did it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it certainly sounds that way. I mean, too many coincidental situations with that, but anyway yeah. – let us know what you guys thought about this case. Hit us up on social yeah. media, at J Thrasher, Darren. Yeah.
1: What a sad um, case, God. That was, like, brutal. Can that we add really, on something yeah. positive, <laughs> I
0: know. Yeah, I know. This one was tough, all those details, especially, like, the yeah. while they slept stuff. Ugh, that's going to haunt me. Well, I wanted to no, mention and it kind lo- of reminds me,
1: yeah. s- kind of reminds me, sorry, to, of a little bit of the Dahmer thing where it was like he did horrible things, but then he'd be like, "I drugged them so they didn't feel anything," you they know, didn't like feel I drugged anything. them As so that they, that's they didn't feel when they were killed them, and it's like, is that good? No. <laughs> like, no, no, are you trying to be good? Like, I'm not sure what that's supposed to do. You know, it's like, well, I only slaughtered five people, I didn't right. slaughter seven. Yeah, now it's just like ridiculous.
0: Anyway. We'll never know the mind of a serial killer like that. You know what I mean? It's just you you think you can understand their motives, but you never really can. Well, yeah, Yeah, let's get to some positivity here, Darren. Lauren on Facebook wrote, quote, I was browsing through catalogs with my eight-year-old granddaughter today for Christmas ideas. And she came across the infamous cat butt tissue holder. She said, and I quote, who the hell would buy that? I held in my giggles but told her I know a very nice man who bought it for a good friend. She just looked at me like I was crazy. So, Lauren? It's
1: still at the front of my apartment. That's and, right. I, and Nadine's friend was staying with us and it was the first thing he noticed and he was like, I love this. And I was like, John Asher yep. bought that for me. Yep. Was
0: it the cute friend that I was uh, texting you about?
1: It was the cute friend. It was. was the cute friend. Gents. Love um, it. Love it. By the well, way, I will lo- say, having yeah.
0: stayed there, having stayed at your your apartment for a it's couple weeks... It's prominent, bitch. September, it's prominent. It's prominent, but it's like, it's just the right little, like, you accent have to detail. You see it, yeah. but it's there. Yeah, it's exactly. There. I like it.
1: Well, our lovely friend Denise, who's been a big part of the show at this point, followed up with Lauren to say, we are a special group of people here. Love it. Some... Some don't like holiday reese's, and some mm. do, mm. but we all love cats and cat tissue, cat butt tissue but holders. Tissue holders. <laughs> Denise, true words have never been said, mama. Yeah. I love that. True words have Denise, never been said.
0: Denise just always gets us. You can always rely on Denise to really understand where we're coming from. So, thank you again, Denise. I feel like Denise is almost like the third host at this point on the show, like, she's been. Shout it out. She's been a guest. You know, Denise, we love you. That's all she's we got
1: to say She's big. She's big time. She's
0: she brought us time. alcohol to a live show. That's the number one reason we love her. Number
1: one reason. Number one reason. Um,
0: by the way, guys, our merch is available for your holiday gifts if you want to get your boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, or husband, or partner, or significant other, or quote unquote hey roommate. Yeah. Um, a gift. Get, um, uh, or you want them to get it for you, let us know on social media and we will tell them directly. We will literally DM them and be like, hey. Hint, hint, somebody might want this shaken and disturbed hoodie. We'll
1: give them a cute message, too. Yeah, um we're gonna And do that. the best way to keep this show going, as well as the flirtation between me and John going, mm-hmm. is to sign up to be a patron on Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you can help contribute to our show as independent creators and help us pay our bills. Our
0: bills. Our bills are coming due at the end of the year. Um, by the way, you can also get that even cheaper if you sign up annually. So really, for less than the price of a Starbucks drink and not a Dunkin' drink, because Dunkin's gross... Um, when you get you a blueberry a rainbow splash, it is. You could support us. You could support but, yeah, us. You,
1: you could support mm. us. Yeah, Nonetheless,
0: right. all links for Patreon and our merch can be found in our show notes. You can head to patreon.com slash Shaken and Disturbed, all one word, and sign up today.
1: And of course, we have to thank the person we're most thankful for on this podcast. That's true.
0: That's true.
1: Let's do it, John. One, two, three.
0: Thanks, Thanks Megan. Megan.
1: Oh. Oh. All right, well, everyone. Well, we hope you all had a... Fabulous Thanksgiving That's right. and uh love to you all.
0: Bye.
1: Bye.